Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, November 8th. On this date in 1864, President Abraham Lincoln won re-election over Democrat George McClellan, but his second term would be cut short by an assassin's bullet the following April. And on this date in 1965, soap fans heard for the first time the phrase, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. That show made its debut that day. And here's your morning trivia. On this date in 1793, one of the world's most famous museums and the home of the Mona Lisa began admitting the public. Can you name that museum? I bet you can. I'll have that answer in just a couple of minutes. But first, it's time to check on that Wednesday forecast over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. And good morning to you, meteorologist Joey Silvine here. Starting out with a clear skies, cool start this morning. Grab a jacket as you head out the door. It'll be near 80, though, by lunchtime. So another quick warm-up today. Very similar to the past couple of days. All sunshine. High temperatures today between about 80 and 83 degrees. We'll cool down in the upper 50s tonight. 82 tomorrow. Clouds will start to increase. Friday out ahead of a cold front that comes through Friday night. Now that cools us down as we head into the weekend. Highs will struggle to get above 60 degrees for Saturday and Sunday, along with the chance of a couple of showers both days. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Life 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Thanks, Alicia. Well, Election Day is wrapped up, but we still don't know who will be the next mayor of Charleston. That race looks to be heading to a runoff since none of the candidates got more than 50 percent of the vote. Here's a look at those unofficial results. You can see incumbent mayor John Tecklenburg got about 32 percent and challenger William Cogswell is sitting at 36 percent, followed by Clay Middleton, Peter Shea, Nika Gadsden and then Deborah Gammons. Now, Melissa Rademacher was in the room when Tecklenburg, who's been mayor since 2016, Talk to his supporters last night about what's next. John Tecklenburg got on the microphone fired up and saying he is full of optimism about the runoff in two weeks. Despite earning a few percentage points less of the vote than Cogswell, Tecklenburg says he's won runoffs before to get him into this office. In fact, in 2016 and 2020, both the mayoral race went to a runoff and he came out on top. In his speech to the crowd, Tecklenburg boasted about the success the city has celebrated in the past eight years under his leadership. He talked about funding for roads like I-526 and Glen McConnell. He celebrated the arts of Moja and the literary festivals. Tecklenburg noted that Charleston is a leader in climate planning and focused on addressing flooding. He pledged his support to future success on the Sumar Street project and invited the voters for the other four candidates to join his team. I am optimistic about what we are doing. I'm proud of what we're doing. My glass is running over with optimism. Well, we got to work together like we hadn't worked on election over the next two weeks. Because now, as it's narrowed from six to two, the choice is clear. And do you want to keep progress alive on all these fronts that I've been mentioned to you tonight? Or do you want to get set back by a developer backed by the Mom for Liberty? Tecklenburg spent some time shaking hands and talking with supporters, but as he left, he said there's a lot of work to still do in the next two weeks. In Charleston, Melissa Rademacher, Live 5 News. Live 5's Emily Johnson is breaking down the numbers and is also sharing how Coxwell is planning for the next election. 
Cogswell says that he has organized a plan to win this runoff election by continuing to knock on people's doors, listening and talking to people, and promoting his message as much as he can on digital news and television. Cogswell says he's not afraid to make tough decisions, be a proactive rather than reactive leader, and take responsibility when things don't go according to plan. His campaign has run on the priorities of smart growth, safe communities, and sound governance. Wrapping up his watch party with a brief thanks to his supporters, Cogswell says people clearly want a change in Charleston, and that's undeniable based off of last night's results. Uh, it looks like we're at about 38% of the vote tonight. Um, which is pretty powerful. Uh, and so I uh, feel really good about things. But again, folks, we do need your help. We do need your help to come back out and, and show what Charleston can be. Cogswell ended his watch party asking for everyone's continued support in two weeks and saying how excited he is for the future of Charleston. Reporting in Charleston, Emily Johnson, Live 5 News. Emily, thank you. Well, going over to another big mayoral race, it looks like one candidate has a large lead in North Charleston. That's right. Here are the top four vote getters as of right now. Former North Charleston Police Chief Reggie Burgess is overwhelmingly in the lead to become North Charleston's next mayor. He's followed by Todd Olds, Teddy Pryor Sr., and John Singletary, all garnering 16 eight and six percent respectively. The next four candidates in order of votes are Russ Coletti, Curtis Merriweather Jr., Stephanie Ganaway Paisley, and Rhonda Jerome. And finally, we have Jesse Williams and Samuel Wantley to round out that mayoral race. Governor Henry McMaster posted last night on X, congratulations to my good friend Reggie Burgess, the mayor-elect of North Charleston. Things work out the way they are supposed to for great people. To be clear, the votes still have to be certified before the race can be officially called. Let's take a look now at the mayoral race in uh, James Island. In the unofficial results, Brooke Lyon has a sizable lead, sitting at just 51% of the votes. Josh Stokes is a few hundred votes behind, sitting at 37%. And Grisham Maggette III follows them with 12% of the vote. Moving over to Williamsburg County for the King Street mayoral race, one candidate currently holds a large lead. It looks like incumbent Darren Tisdale is the projected winner for this seat with 70% of the vote. He's facing off against Latanya Davis, who currently holds 30% of the votes. Switching over to Harleyville for its mayoral race, there's a slim margin between first and second right now with Jody Ergling uh, leading the way with 52% of the vote. David King is right behind with 46%, but this is just an eight-vote margin. Edward Mondo is the final candidate in the race. He sits at just 2%. And finally, we go to Senate District 42, where that seat is up for grabs in a special election after former state Senator Marlon Kimson took a job with the Biden administration. Democrat Dion Tedder is the projected clear winner in this race, garnering 82% of the votes with just over 10,500 votes. Tedder beat out State Representative Wendell Gilliard in September with a less than 1% margin to be able to represent the Democratic Party in this race. Representing the Republican Party is Rosa Kay. She's sitting at 18% with just over 2,300 votes. Results in this race will be made official sometime tomorrow.
So now we're shifting over to Charleston City Council. Seats in four districts were up for grabs, so let's take a look at those unofficial results now. Starting with District 3, this seat marks the first time Johns Island is represented in the Charleston City Council. It came after those living in the area advocated for the town to become its own singular district. This one is too close to call right now, but Jim McBride sits in the lead with about half the votes. Stephanie Hodges is right behind him with 46%, about a 120-vote margin. Bill Antonucci is the final candidate vying for the seat. He holds about 4% of the current vote. Moving over to Charleston City Council District 5, this race is a little clearer. Carl Brady Jr. is in the lead right now. He holds just over half the votes at 51%. He's trailed by Ron Call with 42%, about a 180-vote margin as it stands. Tara Swetnam is the third and final candidate in District 5. Swetnam sits at 8% of votes right now. Now to District 7, two candidates are facing off for this seat, and one has a large lead. That's Keith Waring. He leads the race with 69% of the votes, more than triple his opponent. Owen Vogel is in second with 31%. More than 600 votes is the margin there. And Charleston City Council District 9 now has the most candidates of the four with open seats. William Tinkler leads this race with 40% of the votes, sitting at just over 1,300 total. Mike Gaston is the closest competitor with 27% of votes, a near 440-vote margin between him and Tinkler. And Kenneth Marolda and William Gilliard sit at third and fourth with 15 and 14% of votes, respectively. Finally, Francis Beloit III rounds out this race. He currently holds 5% of votes. Staying in the city of Charleston, we have unofficial results for the city commissioner position. Three candidates are vying for this seat, with one holding a large lead, and that's Thomas Pritchard. He's sitting in first place with 65% of the vote, just over 14,700 uh, total votes. Now He's trailed by Jeff Fine, who holds 26% right now, about uh, 8,800 vote margin between him and Pritchard. Uh, Blake Spa uh, rounds out this race, currently holding 9 percent of the votes, nearly 4,000 votes behind fine. Voters in Charleston were also asked to answer yes or no to a $70 million question on whether or not to pass the Charleston Parks bond referendum. It's a plan that identifies past and future needs across the city to renovate and create new parks on the peninsula, Johns Island, James Island, and Daniel Island over the next 10 years. Now, unofficial results show that referendum will be passed with the yes option earning 80% of the votes. In total, more than 24,000 people voted in favor of the referendum, four times as many who voted no. Switching over to James Island, now seven candidates are looking to fill the open town council seats. Let's take a look at those unofficial results. Right now, the top two vote-getters are both sitting at 18%. A slim 25-vote margin is all that separates first place Cynthia Mignano and second place Dan Bowles. Right behind them is Lewis Dodson with 16% of the vote, followed by Darren Troy Mullenix, who holds 15%. Jeffrey W. Hayes sits behind him in fifth with 13%, followed by Zenny Quinn and Jerome Warren Sloan Jr. with 10 and 9% respectively. Of Somerville voters, the unofficial results are in, giving us some insight into who will lead the town in five governmental seats. Our Caitlin Ashbaugh shares more on the election for parts of Dorchester, Berkeley, and Charleston counties.
Votes cast by people at 28 different polling locations will determine who fills those five seats at Somerville Town Hall. Poll workers said there was a low to medium turnout this year, but that's not shocking to see. This year's election includes positions for mayor, council district seats two, four, and six, and a commissioner for public works. Official results from SC votes came in just a few hours after the polls closed at 7 o'clock. Russ Touchberry being the top vote getter in this mayoral race with Dickie Myler in second. As for Town Council District 2, a very tight race here. Tiffany Johnson-Wilson and Bill McIntosh neck and neck with incumbent Terry Jenkins following closely behind. District 4 and 6 candidates ran unopposed. We spoke with Touchberry about his mission for Somerville. We have a quality of life erosion through our infrastructure not serving us well, as well as our bicycle and pedestrian connectivity. All of these things have to be done right so that our citizens can get to where they need to go safely. This election impacts mostly Dorchester County and parts of Berkeley and Charleston counties. For more information and updated results on this election and others in the Lowcountry, you can head to our website at live5news.com. In Somerville, Caitlin Ashbaugh, Live 5 News. Continuing with your local election results, let's take a look at Georgetown City Council race. Yeah, and this one is very close. There are five candidates in this race, and all are within 2% of each other. Aaron Etheridge leads the way with 21%, just eight votes more than Bruce Carl, and Timkina Williams-Obing, who sits at tie for second place with 20%. Clarence Smalls trails just behind them with 20%, but 19 fewer votes. And Hobson Henry Milton rounds out this race, holding 19% of the vote, trailing 86 votes behind first place. Moving over to Bluffton's town council race, we have a two-way tie for at 29% of votes for first place between Bridget Frazier and Dan Wood. Our unofficial numbers show Frazier's lead by uh, is just by two votes. Timothy Wood and Bob Berger are in third and fourth with 26 and 16% respectively. In Onda, we have yet another very tight race. There's just 23 votes separating first and sixth place. Wendy Helms leads the way at 359 votes, but is in a three-way tie with Paul Brown and Kent Prouse with 17% of uh, the votes apiece. Now, Shalom, uh, Sheila rather, M. Powell, Statistica, uh, Stacy. McNeil, Dawson, and Rodney L. Porsher all sit at 16% with only one vote between each of them. Tonight, candidates will take the stage in the third GOP presidential primary debate. Five presidential hopefuls made that cut. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Florida South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and Senator Tim Scott. Missing from that debate stage tonight will be North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who did not qualify based on donor requirements, as well as former Vice President Mike Pence, who did drop out last month. Former President Donald Trump is skipping this debate yet again, opting to hold his own campaign event the next day. That debate is set for 8 p.m. in Miami, Florida, tonight. We are one year away from the presidential election, and a new CNN poll shows former President Donald Trump narrowly leads President Biden among registered voters. The poll found President Biden's support among several key groups is significantly weaker than in 2020. 
That includes people under 35, plus independents, black voters, and Latino voters. The new poll shows only one in four Americans believe Biden has the stamina and sharpness to serve a second term in office, while 53% say Trump does. Both men have unfavorable ratings in the mid to high 50s. Partnership with the city of Folly Beach, Dominion Energy crews have begun installing 37 turtle-friendly lights across Folly's beachfront. Yeah, these LED lights are unique because they're expected to reduce the potential impact that artificial lighting can have on turtle hatchlings as they try to safely make their way to the ocean. Live 5's Destiny Kennedy joins us live on Folly Beach. Destiny, where are these turtle-friendly lights located? Good morning. Good morning, Nick and Shelby. If you take a look behind me, this is one of the new turtle-friendly lights, and you can find these lights along East Arctic and East Ashley Avenue. The difference between traditional lights and these LED lights is that they are amber in color. This amber hue prevents the hatchlings from confusing the artificial light with the moonlight. Traditional lights often cause turtles to move out towards the roads or dunes. Some of the benefits of these new lights is benefiting wildlife and continuing to save energy. Plus, with the change of the light color from bright white to amber, people in the area can still expect streets to be well lit. Paul Fisher, the spokesperson for Dominion Energy, talked about the measures taken to ensure the successful implementation and maintenance of these turtle-friendly lights. These LED lights are equipped with nodes that allow us to communicate with that light remotely. Uh, So any issue that may occur with uh, the operation of the light, should a light go out, uh, we're able to be notified uh, automatically and remotely. Installation will continue over the next several months and are going to be completed by early next year. Reporting live on Folly Beach, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date, back in 1793, one of the world's most famous museums opened to the public. That museum was the Louvre in Paris. The Mona Lisa has been part of its collection since 1804. Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, former Entertainment Tonight host Mary Hart is 73 and TV chef Gordon Ramsay is 57. Thank you for joining us for Morning Y'all, powered by Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. Hope you have a great Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.